TED Audio Collective. Hey, it's Manoush here. Just a quick warning, we do curse in this episode. Just a little bit. I'm Manoush Zamarodi, and this is Chapter 2 of Zigzag, a show about changing the course of capitalism, journalism, and women in tech. Yes, we're serious. We're exploring these ideas by documenting our own experiments with big change. Um, You put in your notice yesterday at a company that you worked for for 10 years. Yep. (laughs) Well, it feels fucking great. If you didn't hear chapter one, go back so you can hear why Jen Poyant, my former producer and I, decided to run away together to quit our pretty awesome public radio jobs to build a badass, women-owned and operated media company with a mission. If only it was that easy. We quit, and then the money we were counting on to get us started fell through. I gotta say, we wondered if we'd made a big mistake. We still have to ask ourselves what we're doing um, and whether we can even survive doing this. But then we got a grant from a slightly mysterious definitely radical startup that was using something called the blockchain to save journalism and help journalists just like us. <laughs> I mean, are you, are you psyched? I'm so psyched. The offer felt too good to be true. And also, what the fuck was the blockchain anyway? What did it have to do with journalism? Well, today we explain the basics and why the blockchain is definitely worth knowing about. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, society, you have lots of issues right now. Let's just name a few. The country feels politically split in two. Lots of people don't trust the news. And we've seen that some of the big tech companies put their profits over basic humanity. And these issues all affect us personally in different ways. Like maybe you got a notice from Facebook that Cambridge Analytica took your data. Or your Uncle Jack keeps sending you articles that prove President Trump's inauguration really did have the biggest crowd in history. Maybe it's time to let that go, Uncle Jack. As podcasters and journalists, Jen and I had been covering all these topics through the lens of tech and society, but we wanted more control over the work we were doing. Part of like the motivation for us to leave the major objectives for us was going to be ownership, IP, all that stuff, and then making something that we fucking loved. This is going to sound super cheesy, but we have to believe in ourselves and fucking go for it. Aw, yeah. We went to explain our big plans to a fellow podcaster, Megan Tan. Okay, so what do you guys... What do you guys Okay, to? so Jen and I have both uh, decided to leave WNYC because the... Podcast junkies, you may recognize Megan from her show Millennial. It was an intimate window into her life after college. She is a damn good storyteller, and so we really wanted her to think that what we were doing was cool. So you know we're making a show? I don't... I mean, kind of. I kind of knew that... I assumed you were making a show, 
but I don't know what the show is about. So it all kind of happened very rapidly that there was a startup, a journalism startup happening on the blockchain and that it's an experiment to see if people will be willing to buy into uh, essentially a token economy where people can support journalism directly. And we said, well, we'd love to document this experiment. So essentially we are not only, you know, documenting the experiment, we are part of the experiment. So it's a weird meta thing that we are part of how, Am I explaining this yeah, well? I think so. I mean, we're, we're, we want to document how the blockchain works. What's the blockchain? Ah, uh, yes. Good point, Megan. In our excitement to explain our grand experiment on the blockchain, we had already forgotten that most people have never heard of the blockchain. You said chain, right? On the blockchain? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like... Uh, people literally on the block with some chains. Yeah, well. no, it does. And you're like, what are they doing on that block with chains? Right. So the idea is that it's a public ledger, right? Jen and I tried explaining what the blockchain is and how the technology works. Um, oh, man. Man, this is interesting. It but honestly, kind of like, we did a um, shitty job. Like because blockchain is complicated. There is no denying it. But we can do better. Breaking down big ideas is what we do. So... You ready? Here are three things that you need to know about blockchain. We're going to build on them, but let's just start with these three things. And actually, let's add some music to get you in the right mood. Oh, I like that guitar. All right, this is good. Okay, here we go. Number one, something you need to know about blockchain. Blockchain is related to something you probably have heard of. Bitcoin. Bitcoin is blockchain's baby. Right, cool. Okay, good. So, got number one, ready for number two. Blockchain is a new way for humans to make deals. Transactions, trading, taking care of business on the blockchain. Right, yeah, I like that. Okay, and number three. Blockchain requires a collective spirit. Think lots of people and computers all working together. All my friends are computers and we're working together on the blockchain. Excellent. Yes. Okay, right. So, quick recap before we move on. We got to keep these three concepts in mind with blockchain. It's related to Bitcoin. It's a new way for humans to make deals with each other. And it needs a collective to make it work. Blockchain, Bitcoin, computer, commune for blockchain. A commune. That's an interesting way to look at it. Okay. Let's go deeper. Are you ready? Let's combine all three of those ideas and build on them to explain blockchain. Okay, so back to number one. Blockchain and Bitcoin are related. Bitcoin is blockchain's baby. Right, okay, we got that. Hold on a second, guitar man. All the recent headlines are about Bitcoin, this virtual currency or digital money that a lot of people are buying into. And... Maybe it's creating a bubble. Today we're discussing what else but Bitcoin, which has blown past the $10,000 price. We're asking whether or not this currency really has any longevity. Bitcoin is a speculative bubble which will end in tears. Good expert analysis. Now Jordan Belfort calls Bitcoin a fraud. But the story behind Bitcoin is also the story of blockchain. Remember the 2008 financial crisis? 
The Dow tumbled more than 500 points. Lehman Brothers, a 158-year-old firm, filed for bankruptcy. The main engine of America's auto industry is in danger of stalling. The banking system still crippled despite a $350 billion bailout. As costly as this effort may be, we know that the cost of a complete collapse of our financial system would be incalculable for families. Governments propping up car manufacturers and banks too big to fail in order to keep the entire U.S. economy from collapsing. It was super scary, and it left a lot of people thinking, like, who is in charge here? And do these people even know what they're doing? I mean, like, come on, are the pillars of our society really that close to toppling, just like that? There's got to be a better way. And one anonymous software designer who used the name Satoshi Nakamoto thought he or she had this better way. It was called Bitcoin. Or, as Nakamoto described it, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, basically a digital currency. And on November 1st, 2008, he posted a white paper explaining his idea for Bitcoin. And the way it worked was that it lived on a new technology, a new platform that he called, wait for it, the blockchain. Bitcoin is blockchain's baby. Okay, the key concept with Bitcoin was that you didn't need any inept banks or governments to run it. No one would be in charge. Instead, blocks of data would be replicated on a network of hundreds or thousands of computers, all running special software that they would use to calculate, record, and link every transaction, creating what he called a distributed ledger. So, Nakamoto creates Bitcoin, He designs the blockchain to make it possible. Bitcoin is blockchain's baby. Right, okay, let's go on. Blockchain, as we've said, is a new way for humans to make deals. Okay, so blockchain can be used to keep track of Bitcoin, but it has other superpowers. It can keep track of all kinds of things, which might really change the way that we humans do business and exchange information with each other. Transactions, trading, taking care of business on the blockchain. I think it helps to hear some examples. So here's me talking to Nick, my bootcamp trainer. After my last set of burpees, we recorded this conversation on his phone. Okay, so you know what Bitcoin is? Yes. Okay, tell me what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. It's uh, There's no physical... Uh, aspect to it. It's it's just something that's blowing up and everybody's talking about it. And Do you own Bitcoin? I don't. Are you thinking about it? I have thought about it, but I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not into it. Okay. Not a speculator. Yeah. Okay. It's a little too risky for me. All right. So do you know what blockchain is? No. Have you heard the word before? I've heard the words block and chain, but never together. So blockchain is the technology underlying Bitcoin. Um, for Bitcoin to function, it works on the blockchain. And what that is, is it's a software, right? Bitcoin software to connect a network of computers. So no one controls the network of computers. Mm -hmm. Each of the computers have to agree to make a change. Mm. You couldn't change one and then not have the whole rest of the network see that you made a change. Sure. So the idea being like, there's no bank that's in charge of it. There's no one people who's in charge of it. Okay. But here's what I think is more interesting. Yeah. Let's say um, there was an E. coli outbreak. Okay. Right now they have to go back to each source, like where this lettuce thing happened. Interesting. Yeah, remember? Yeah. Like they'd be like, where'd the farm come from? Who shipped it? Blah, blah, blah. If all of those were connected right. on one long blockchain, right. they'd be able to, they did one test where they could track like these nasty 
sliced mangoes. It took them seven days with regular tracking mechanisms, 2.2 seconds if they used a black. <laughs> it's pretty cool, right? Very cool, yeah. So other things that people are talking about is like refugees. Like if they have their, you know, you have to, yeah. if you're about to flee the country, sure. what do you have to get? You have to get yeah, papers and deeds and, yeah. and all the rest of it. And then what if they're like, that's a forgery. You don't really own that land when you come back but or whatever. But it can be verified instantly. Exactly. Right? It can be verified and right. live in a place away from a government. Wow. So if you ended up in some other country, you would still have a record of your identity, of your land, of whatever else. So it kind of revolutionizes data, right? Because exactly. it takes like humanity out of it almost, like human error. Yes, exactly right. Okay, so all the data from every transaction, whether it's with money or that head of poopy lettuce shipping from a farm, it is visible and trackable and kept secure by many, many techies and their computers. All my friends are computers and we're working together on the blockchain. To be sure, it is the opening chapter of Blockchain Story. It's the prologue. There are lots of questions about how blockchain will actually work in the real world. And we've seen what happened with the web when people moved fast and broke stuff. I'm looking at you, Zuckerberg. Okay, coming up, The Daily Show goes to a blockchain conference, and so do we. Can you use, can you use a word that wasn't invented in the last two years? Can you uh, use... I, I'll try, I'll try. Plus, more about how the blockchain relates to you. We'll be right back. This is Chapter 2 of Zigzag. I'm Manoush Zamarodi. And okay, imagine it's 1993 and someone tells you that there's this thing called the internet. And it's going to be big. It's going to change how you order your sneakers, your taxis. More importantly, it's going to connect people and information all over the world. Well, now it's 2018. And there's this thing called blockchain. Yeah, some people think blockchain is going to be that big a deal change the very basics of how society works. And yes, it's dangerous to make predictions about technology. But humor me here. And imagine a world where you could switch doctors without going through the hassle of asking for and transferring your medical records because the files are secure on the blockchain and you control who has access to them. Or let's say you want to send money to your relatives abroad. You can just text it to them without a wire transfer or anyone taking a cut. Or say you want to buy an engagement ring for your sweetie, and you don't have to take the word of the jeweler that the diamond really is conflict-free. Blockchain could trace that rock all the way back to its source. I mean, blockchain sounds kind of dreamy, right? And these examples are just a fraction of the problem some people think blockchain could fix. How will they do it? Well, Many of them will be built with a special blockchain software, or protocol, as the blockchain folks call it. Ethereum. Oh, blockchain song man. You're back. All right, that means it's time to start getting into the details again. And we're going to save all the nerding out about the tech behind blockchain for future episodes. But you're right, we do need to add just one more nugget of nerdiness to our blockchain explanation. Yes, Ethereum. Ethereum is a kind of blockchain software, a protocol. And this is really important. Anyone can use Ethereum to build apps on the blockchain. Blockchain apps. 
Like, think of it as the iPhone in apps. Apple lets developers use their iPhone software to make all kinds of apps, right? Google makes maps. Zappos lets you buy shoes on there. New York Times app you can read on there. They all run on the iPhone in partnership with Apple. So here's the thing, though. Anyone can use Ethereum software to build blockchain apps, except they call them D-apps. I thought they were called dApps, but they're not. They're D-apps because they are decentralized. Decentralized. Okay, I think we got it. Thank you. That's enough. Because the point is that no company or person oversees these apps, not even the people who created Ethereum, because Ethereum only works when you have the full network of people and computers. Remember, it needs that collective spirit to work. Oh, there's food somewhere. Oh, I gotta get some of that. But actually, you could kind of see that collective spirit at work at a conference called Ethereal last month. Jen and I went to spend the day at an old door factory in Queens that had been transformed into a mecca for thousands of developers high on the potential of Ethereum. Thank you. Hi. Hi, how are you? For us, it kind of felt like a rite of passage, our first blockchain conference together. It also kind of felt like we'd run away to join a cult. Because we were attending as members of Civil while simultaneously trying to wrap our heads around what exactly we'd gotten ourselves into. A subculture that technically now we were part of. This is going to be the future. Really? And you think was, so? I think so. Do you think anybody is going to buy these tokens? I have no idea. <laughs> I almost wish there was something that was like, you are entering the blockchain. But the, but the actual... On the main stage, the king of the conference. One of the founders of Ethereum, Joe Lubin. He was being hazed by The Daily Show's tech reporter, Ronnie Chang. Does everyone in can you use, can you use a word that wasn't invented in the last two years? Can you uh, use... I, I'll try, I'll try. Ronnie definitely hasn't drunk the Kool-Aid yet. He wants Joe to define blockchain in normal language. Blockchain uh, is a database technology that enables software developers to build better, shared, more equitable, collaborative systems. Wow, you really had to fight your nature to do that. Yeah. Thanks to the success of Ethereum, Joe Lubin is worth billions of real dollars. He's about 50, has a shiny bald head, looks like he works out with a personal trainer. And as Ronnie points out, he's also kind of punk. Because he wants to use tech to give power back to the people. You meet Joe, and the vibe from it is like... It's not quite the Silicon Valley guys. It's not that energy. It's this different energy of like, instead of trying to disrupt uh, systems to make money, it's like you're trying to disrupt global governments. Yeah. And so my question to you is, are you scared of, yeah, that, um, that's not always a good thing, by the way. So sorry. <laughs> are, you, are you scared of getting assassinated, is my question. I. <laughs> Yeah, and to help other entrepreneurs do this kind of new disruption, Joe's company is funding all kinds of new ventures. People who want to use Ethereum to fix all kinds of industries. The music industry, real estate, scientific research, and, wait for it again, journalism. Civil is a project that we put a ton of energy into. and there's Civil is the reason Jen and I are interested in all this stuff to begin with. We've joined this venture, Civil, that is using the blockchain to build better journalism. And Joe is Civil's biggest backer. And it is about sourcing data with good provenance, uh, enabling uh, data to be fact-checked, fed back on 
Uh, it's about discourse. Uh, it's about identity and reputation of of the newsmakers, uh, the the writers. Uh, we are hoping we'll have all the right incentivization mechanisms to um, bring real news out and, and to have uh, conversations about it. Am I supposed to argue against that? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think uh, verifying news is a bad idea. Yeah, I think that's, of course that's a great idea. <laughs> question, like, Ronnie totally gets yeah, it and is, relates uh, the concept to the recent election in his home country of Malaysia, where the corrupt prime minister, he says, was finally voted out of office. We voted out the government. Um, information was the key to that. And because uh, Malaysia also restricts reporting and, and even websites and all that stuff, so decentralizing that would have helped a lot, you know, in, 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 in spreading information. Are so. you, are you politi politically active? Joe Lubin has given $5 million to Civil to make it a reality. And I kind of think of it as a weird social experiment. Like, it's socialism crossed with Bitcoin crossed with the Gutenberg printing press. And a couple weeks after that blockchain conference, a dozen of us gathered for the weekly Friday meeting in Civil's offices. And by the way, those offices are coincidentally and conveniently just down the hall from where Jen and I sit at a Brooklyn co-working space. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. There are about 70 more people, journalists, developers, the CEO, other founders, all dialed in from across the country for the meeting. Lots of veteran reporters and editors, almost all of us blockchain newbies. The founder of Global Ground, which is our first international newsroom. Is the river. This is the uh, Hudson Valley newsroom. They're doing regional news of national uh, importance. I, I, we're really excited to be part of this revolution. You'll probably be familiar with AJ Delario, media watchdog for the kajillion dollar drug rehab industry. All right, and then I've got Stable Genius. Manoush, do you want to say it in your own words? Yeah, sure. Um, so Jan and I used to make a show called Note to Self at New York Public Radio, and we quit to join this crazy thing. Um, our other partners in making our first podcast. At this point, the civil platform is due to launch in a couple of weeks, and some of us are still a little confused about how this is all going to work. We know that we'll be posting our articles and stories, and there won't be any ads, we also know that on the back end, the blockchain will be at work, but readers won't even realize that. But also, in the next month, Civil is creating its own digital currency, Civil tokens, that regular people like you can eventually buy into to support the journalists on the platform. And meanwhile, all of us journalists are there because we have gotten grants that are part real money so we can pay the bills and part Civil tokens. So we're super curious about what those tokens are actually going to be worth. But at this point, those tokens have not launched, and they don't even exist. Not even virtually. You think this is all really going to come off? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think they would come up, they come in and make that up. Who knows if there isn't a glitch or a zigzag that they're going to have to deal with. Anywho, next time on ZigZag. Public trust in media is at an all-time low. Facebook and Google take all the content and a lot of the ad money. Journalism's got issues. But how will the blockchain solve them? Now that we understand, in theory, how the blockchain works, how could it fix journalism in practice for real people? The internet as we know it is untenable. We talk to other insane, 
I mean, incredibly forward-thinking journalists who are getting on the blockchain with us. We are back with Chapter 3 next Thursday. Zigzag. Subscribe so you get the episode automatically, and we have proof that you're out there. A quick programming note here. In addition to the small grant from Civil and any donations you make, we are earning money from the ads running on this podcast. These ads and being part of another collective, Radiotopia, are helping us get this podcast off the ground. And the way that audio on demand works, podcasting, means that this show does not live on the blockchain. But we do have extra content, reading lists and links and behind-the-scenes stuff, on our website, which does run on the blockchain. So go to zigzagpod.com. That is zigzagpod.com. And that's where pretty soon we'll be able to accept your donations in tokens. Uh, But more about that next time. Thank you for supporting the show and us. You can also just come say hi on Twitter or Instagram. We're at ZigzagPod. You can see us behind the scenes. Oh, and this last part is crucial. Sorry, almost forgot. We want to hear from you. How are you making it work? We want to build a community here, so please share your zigs and zags. Tell us about a time you did something professionally that other people thought was borderline crazy. How'd that work out? Success? Tell us. Failure? We definitely want to hear about it. Record a voice memo on your phone and send it to our brand new email account. It is zigzag at stableg.com. That's zigzag at stableg, S-T-A-B-L-E-G, Dot com. This episode was produced by me and Jen Poyant. David Herman is our audio engineer. Our intern is Jordan Lauf. Kat Aaron provided digital smarts. Zigzag comes from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with Civil and Radiotopia from PRX. I'm Manoush Samarodi. Thanks so much for listening. And also before we go, a very special thank you to blockchain guitar man, Martin Oustwick, for helping us make this technology sing. Blockchain is Bitcoin's mommy.